0: Color to me is like a huge part of the healing that plants are offering to us. I think I've always been drawn to color, but I saw it as like a way of bringing people into a food in a different way and bringing them into the experience of a plant.
1: Welcome to the Wild Herbs Podcast, where we unpack and uncover the healing properties of wild herbs so you can heal naturally with the plants beneath your feet. I am your host, April Punsalan, wild, untamed plant lady, also a botanist and ethnobotanist and herbalist dedicated to teaching you how to heal with plants. If you want to learn edible and medicinal plants, you are in the right place, my friend. So I'm so excited, Tara, that you are on the Wild Herb Podcast. Thank you so much for your time. Yay. Thank you for having me. (laughs) Yay. So I have to say that I have thoroughly enjoyed viewing your vibrant colored forage food. And I have been an admirer of your work for a long time on Instagram, the Medicine Circle. And then we had this opportunity where we were both on the Sacred Science Healing Kitchen And so I feel like I was brought into your world a little bit more, which made me admire your work even more. And I just want to say that your beautiful, colorful recipes are such a contribution to the herbal world. I would love to hear when you first realized you had this special connection with plants. Oh,
0: yeah. I think it was always popping up throughout my childhood. I spent a lot of time on my own, exploring the backyard, (laughs) which was pretty small, but we had lilac bushes and I had turtles from a very young age and I would take my turtles outside and I would hang out with them like under the lilac bushes. And I just remember the feeling of that scent, like permeating everything, the scent of lilacs. And I think so many of my Memories are of food and the plants wove into that in a way, like the smell of things, the look of things, the color of things. You were mentioning color, like all of that kind of informed, I don't know, my love of food and my love of the natural world. And I felt just at peace when I was in nature. Like I felt a certain kind of peace that I didn't feel in other places like I didn't feel it sitting inside it wasn't the same Mm -hmm. and so I think from a young age and then when I was maybe I think I was six years old I first started going to stay with my grandparents in Massachusetts and they had they lived in a very rural place and I would stay with them for five weeks by myself in the summer and they had gardens and like upon grew food and grew herbs and my grandmother was a cook and I would cook with her and I would I that's where I learned to garden and use more fresh herbs like lavender and things like that and make lavender pillows and put them under my pillow to sleep with and things like that I just at the time didn't think much of, but as I got older, it became what informed my path, I think, mm. in the world. Yeah.
1: That's amazing that you got to spend the summer with your grandmother and Massachusetts because that's so pretty there in the summer. In the Northeast, the summertime, it's gorgeous. Yes. Yes.
0: It was life-changing. I grew up right next to the city in Chicago. And to go out there was like a totally different world, completely different to see the mountains out there. Not that they're mountains like in Colorado, but it's like these huge green mountains right outside the back door. It was just a different than seeing my neighbor's houses everywhere. We were in the suburbs.
1: I think too that the fact that you have these memories of being under the lilac bush and the, the feeling, I love how you said, it just felt different outside and in nature. And I hear that a lot from medicine people, earth conscious, connected people that come into this world with that mission. From a young age, you just feel better outside and you're very connected and your best memories are from time in nature. So I uh. find that fascinating. It's almost, I don't know, maybe the earth starts to communicate. to the to to her children to the earth protectors and the medicine people at a very young age hey okay yeah and you're a helper
0: I was I had a lot of different stomach and health issues as a, a little kid and so there was I have a really distinct memory of one time being outside And I was in pain a lot and a lot of discomfort, going to the hospital, going, doing, having to have all these like crazy tests at a pretty young age. And I remember like being outside in all these dandelions and just getting this, I don't know if I would call it like a vision, like in, in the religious sense, but more like I had this understanding from the dandelions or from the plants themselves. Oh, you have to like sit up. It was like, you have to, it showed me how to not feel so much pain
1: in Mm. my body.
0: And I was maybe 10 years old when that happened. And then I would go back to that, like when I was in a lot of pain. So it was like showing me how to work with the pain. And I would imagine myself in a field of dandelions like when I was in those really painful moments or in the hospital and I would just breathe it down into the earth.
1: That's powerful. Yeah. yeah. That's dandelion. Yeah. One of your plant allies, huh?
0: Yeah, it's one of my favorites. I always talk about it in the class. I'm like, guys, it's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's a weed. You don't have to be like worried about taking too much of it it's a dandelion and I before the bee friends of bees come because I know like people get really worried about picking too many dandelions you don't have to pick a whole field but if you're in a field of dandelions it's okay to harvest like a good amount because they bloom so fast they come back so fast and it's yeah it's amazing they're just such a prolific, brilliant plant that is there for us through the whole year. They're like, here's my roots, here's my leaves, here's my flowers. And yeah, yeah, they have the star celestial kind of feel and the rooted feel at the same time. Like they're mm-hmm. able to bridge those worlds, I think.
1: I love that. Yeah, a bridge from the upper and the lower world. I love that. Definitely. Yeah. And I think they're they're one you can grow in your garden. Like I had to work hard to get them in my garden to get them what? in my yard. I finally did, and they germinated in my pathway uh, and yeah. the walking paths to the front steps. But then I was able to use those seeds. Actually, I didn't use those seeds. I had to dig up ones from the pathway and plant them into the garden. Oh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so now I have them in the garden which is nice. But I do think they like to be wild, but it's fun. Like I'm really toying around with the idea of having a wild herb garden. But what is? I would love to hear, because you have this amazing connection with dandelion. It's been your plant ally since you were 10 years old. And now you make these amazing recipes and food and connecting with plants daily. What is one of your favorite ways now to work with dandelion?
0: Oh, that depends on the season like flowers.
1: Let's talk flowers because I love the color. I love that you work with color and I would love to hear how yeah. you get that yellow or when um, you have a recommendation for how we can get the yellow color into our food, the yellow uh, dandelion.
0: So. I the thing that I love to make with dandelion flowers is just a simple dandelion syrup. And then mm-hmm. I turn it into, I actually, I'll make the dandelion syrup with just the flower heads. And I have made like dandelion wine that was actually something my husband and I made on our first like real date. Was <laughs> Let's go out and collect like a billion dandelion flowers and make five gallons of dandelion wine. But I like to make a syrups with honey. And for people that don't use honey, you can just use cane sugar for the syrup but I do that and then I make a vinegar with the uh, like roots and leaves in the springs Mm. so it's like a whole plant
1: they're separate but
0: it's the whole plant so the roots and leaves go into the vinegar all chopped up apple cider vinegar and then I make a dandelion switchel and that's the drink that I have like the whole summer
1: wow
0: and a switchel is a really, it's a pretty old drink, like hundreds of years old. And usually it would be like a shrub. It's a similar, very similar thing. But people would make it on the East Coast, actually. But it was from, I think it was the Caribbean, but I am mm-hmm. not 100% sure. I'll have to look that up. because I always forget all the places, but it was a way to keep people because it has all these minerals because dandelions contain so many minerals that are like the mineral rich perfect food to be eating plus they're a bitter which we want to activate our system in the spring wake everything up get things going they're prebiotic they contain inulin they have all these amazing things in the roots and leaves um, and the flowers and the little green you want to keep that green bottom but you want to keep the green bottom on these flowers like just like calendula you want to keep that medicinal mm-hmm. green part so the the syrup is a golden bright yellow and then the vinegar is not <laughs> but, but it ends up being really bright and sparkling i just put it in sparkling water and it's like so hydrating it has all the things to balance out your hydration which is what we really need in the summer so
1: and so when you make the vinegar and the syrup when you make your switchel yeah. right? <laughs> when you make your switchel do you do half the vinegar and half the honey or I how do you put, do it I put
0: a couple of tablespoons of the vinegar in mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. thing I'm, I'm more am I love making desserts for people but that's not really necessarily my go to like i'm a much more savory bitters i love all the i really want to taste things strongly mm.
1: <laughs> just
0: the way but yeah you can put as much of the syrup as you want into the switchel but i only probably put like a tablespoon so it's probably 2 to 1 okay. the way that i do it
1: so every time you make it you're getting some of the syrup and some of the vinegar, and you're adding it to your sparkling water. And then that is your switchable. Nice. I'm going to have to try that. There's a a lot of dandelion flowers right now in Charleston. And I was collecting some just to maybe make a breast oil and putting on my food, but it would be fun to try something different that I've never done. So thank you for sharing that.
0: Yes. Another thing I like to do is, and these are all in the book too, but another thing I really love is dandelion pakora, which is like an Indian, pakora is an Indian food for anyone that doesn't know, but it's, it's always gluten-free. It's vegetables, like usually spring vegetables dipped in a batter of chickpea um, flour
1: Mm.
0: and then fried in a pan. And dandelion is like the best pakora vegetable so that's the other thing that i always make like first dandelions go right into the pakora batter and i love that family tradition
1: i'm gonna have to look that one up in the book so tara mentioned her book which she was so kind kind (laughs) she sent me a copy she sent me the book and i'm telling you it was like one of the biggest surprises Foraged and Grown, Healing Magical Recipes for Every Season. It is amazing. So we'll definitely talk more about it at the end and definitely write it down now, Foraged and Grown. And it comes out March of this year.
0: So it's not even out
1: yet. So I'm super (laughs) excited that we get to share this with you, that you're listening right now, because if you love, obviously you love plants or you wouldn't be listening, you should (laughs) definitely get this book. I highly recommend it. It's just... Not only does Tara share, how many recipes are in the book? There's a hundred. A hundred recipes, which is a huge contribution. So not only does it have a hundred amazing recipes, but it has these beautiful pictures and it shares her experience with each recipe and plant. And it's definitely, you know, one that you should have on the bookshelf. I'm sure the recipes are going to come up in the interviews. wanted to share that with the listeners that you just published a book which is huge, or authored, birth. You just birthed the book.
0: And it's definitely a birth process for sure.
1: <laughs> I love to hear about that more. So you, so the book is seriously like eye candy. The first time I looked at it, I was in the bath. I have, I'm healing my daughter right now. So I was very stressed out. Not just tired, tired mom, right? So I'm right. like, okay, Tara sent me this book. I'm going to take a bath. I'm going to... Read this book. I'm gonna look at this book, and my mouth was like gaped open. And in my mind, I'm like, "Wow, wow, wow!" <laughs> so, so, in, so, Tara, you just have this gift with color, and you have this gift with obviously your connection with these plants comes through, and it comes through in the recipes, and it comes through in the work you do. And I just want to know, like, why is it so important for you to infuse color into your food? Can you share with the listeners why color is important and why it's a priority for you?
0: Yeah, color to me is like a huge part of the healing that plants are offering to us. I think I've always been drawn to color, but I saw it as like a way of bringing people into a food in a different way and bringing them into the experience of a plant. The nettle donuts or nettle gnocchi or rose cookies or whatever it is, lilac, popsicles. The lilac flower itself is not gonna impart the color that the popsicles are. So I use other plants to like color things, to make them Mm -hmm. the color that mimics that plant like the experience, because I'm trying to like basically build a bridge for people to experience the plant. I want them to taste with their eyes, but also I want to say, hey, try this like really fun food, you know, try this popsicle. It's really easy to make. Anyone can do it. And it's like a food that we recognize, right? Or it's a food that, that feels like nostalgic for some people. It's, I like to do that. I like to do lots of things, but I like to do that because it's, we all need that connection to the plants, in my opinion, and to the natural world. Before we started recording, talking about, yeah, we need that natural, we need the nature connection. We're all working really hard or we're in offices or we're working on the computer a lot or we're working on our phones or we're just in our phones a lot in general for For most people, some aren't, but when we lose that, that connection to the earth, I think that's when it starts to get so out of balance. And that's where I think we are right now. We're pretty out of balance as a whole, and it just creates a lot more suffering like that. So I think if we have the, the connection, if we have the invitation to step outside and harvest a dandelion. Or we have an invitation just to taste a thing. And we're like, wow, this is really the color of roses. This is really what it tastes like to eat a rose. This is really what it smells like to eat a rose. It's just, to me, is like one, like the bridge or like the receptors. It's just like more ways to introduce people to mm-hmm. the plants. You do such a good job,
1: you really do. Because even your Instagram account, like I've been following you for a while, and when you make something with these plants, like roses, I'm always like, okay, I need to go grind up these roses. <laughs> I need to spread. like even when you're sprinkling the rose petals, and the way you do it with so much thought and intention, like you can tell that you're very intentional with what you're doing. And I love like I read your spruce pine popsicle recipe, mm-hmm. and. I love that you use chlorophyll to make it that green color like that mimics the spruce. So what you're saying is you may not be able to get the exact color from that diffusion or decoction that you make for the popsicles, but you can put that chlorophyll in there. So then you feel like you're connecting with the color of the spruce. And of course, you're getting the benefit from the chlorophyll. It's like you're embracing the spirit of the plant and then you're infusing it into your body. Have you noticed... Are there any particular plants that you've noticed your vibrational frequency increase or a recipe in your book where you're, when you eat it, you feel vibrant, you feel alive. Oh, I'd
0: say probably all of them, but. um, (laughs) that that, That is the point for me. And I'll, and I'll also say I cook a lot for classes of people who are trying to connect to the plants and, And I have been doing that for seven years now. And almost every month I'm creating in these classes. And then I started a Patreon when the pandemic was happening. And so I guess 2019, I think is when it started. And so that also was, I'm creating for that purpose. Like I'm creating these things to share with people. And that's always been the case. Like everything food wise that I've been doing has always been as like an offering to people Mm. an offering to like myself, an offering to the land, an offering to my ancestors, an offering. It's an offering. Food, in my opinion, is like, or not my opinion, I guess that's the wrong way of saying it. Food in my way of I don't know. The way that I think about it is as an offering.
1: Mm, I love that. Yeah, I just went with my husband to Greek Orthodox Church and the father was saying that like you have to honor your gifts. You have to honor what because they are from above, like they're from spirit. And what you're saying, it is like an offering, like you are connected with your gift and you're sharing your gift. You're doing the work that you're here meant to do. So I love that you think of it as an offering or it is an offering. It's an offering to all of us. And of being in alignment with your dharma and your purpose, you can produce things like this amazing book because you're just following that path. I think my daughter, yeah, came home from the same day and it had a thing and it said, when you honor your gift and you're in alignment with what the gift is, whatever the higher being that you recognize, whether you call it God, Allah, great spirit, it multiplies. So it was this old Bible story, and it was like the, pers- the people that had honored their gifts, they multiplied and multiplied versus the person who put it away and thought, mm, no, I'm not going to do it. I didn't multiply. And I thought, that is interesting that if you do show up and you honor your gifts and you see them as offerings, it's going to multiply because you're rewarded and you're honored. Um, for doing that. So you founded the Medicine Circle. What year did you get started with the Medicine Circle?
0: That is, I actually don't remember exactly, but I like probably ten years ago that I started that iteration of it. But I started with circles like a really long time ago. So I was a painter, and. I'm still a painter. I just haven't painted in the last couple of years, but all my paintings are circles. So it's thousands of perfect circles layered on like really large scale wooden surfaces that I build. And, and to me, that was like my medicine. That was the first time Mm. that I had really been able, like I would spend When I was making the paintings, it was like a six-month, very involved process and very colorful, always a natural kind of thing. So it would be like a tree or something, but in these perfect circles. And that's where the name came from. And then I learned after I started making the paintings, I learned that, so where I'm named for is a place in Ireland called the Hill of Tara and, or Tara, the Hill of Tara, but my mom pronounced it Tara, <laughs> spelled it Tara, pronounced it Tara. And it's a place with like circles under the earth and that where it's a holy place, it's a an old place. And so that was also part
1: of why I named it the medicine circle. So what does a circle represent to you? If you had to explain to somebody the sacred symbology of a circle,
0: Oh, everything—the circle—in everything, yeah. my way of thinking about it, I've always been drawn to them. I just, I have a re- like a really deep love of the circle form. It mm. shows up all the time in nature. It shows up. It's cellular. It's expansive. It's the sun. It's the planets. It's it's everything, in a way. Yeah, but
1: yeah, way you're
0: right. It's like both the the largest and the smallest, it's like the micro and macro, which is a huge influence in my way of thinking about things and the work that I do. So it's like looking at things really close and seeing that it's also everything at once. It's like the whole and the sum of its parts. And I, I love the- that. Chasing its tail, like eating its tail and alchemy and many, many things played into my learning or thoughts about the circle.
1: Your connection to the circle. Yeah, I love your name. And I love know learning the background and your connection and how your name was from the sacred site in Ireland. And I looked it up and if you're listening, I highly recommend looking it up. It's really interesting. Beautiful. Yeah, the circle. I love the quote by Aristotle. The whole is greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. So I always think about that when I'm trying to teach herbalism and wild herbs, that like if you connect with the whole plant, you're going to get way more than a supplement because the whole part. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Looking at your website and your work and following you for some time, I've noticed that you have this connection with roses and rose hips and hawthorns and nettles. And so Mm -hmm. I didn't know if you could share with us how has your connection to these plants benefited your mind, body, and soul? Oh gosh. Oh, it's like it's I think it's
0: not even a quantifiable thing. Like it's not a measurable thing because nettles for me really became a teacher. I, I have a really distinct memory of the first time I was stung by nettles as a child, and and how that that really imprinted like in my system. And then as I got older, just like learning about them, relearning about them, coming back to them. I knew that I wanted, I I knew that I could work with the sting of them. That was a big part of Nettles for me was not only are they this like unbelievable nutrient dense, bright green, incredible, like their color, the color that nettles imparts is amazing. If you've ever juiced a nettle or extracted a nettle, or you make a brew of nettles and wait 24 hours, don't just make a tea and leave it for 20 minutes. But with nettles, if you leave it for 24 hours, even in the fridge, it will turn like dark emerald green. Right, dark green. And I think just that medicine that they carry is so incredibly powerful. And the sting of the nettles is really something that helped me to recover. I had been in, I've been in like a number of car accidents. (laughs) that I experienced like pretty young in in my life. And one of the things that helped me recover from like things that would happen with my muscles where it would just freeze up solid. And so I would started stinging myself with nettles. And I'm not suggesting that anyone else do this. I'm just saying, this is what I heard from the nettles to do. And so I started doing it. And it is a practice that people have done for like thousands of years. It's called eardification where which is the part the latin uh name it incorporates the latin name of nettles and yeah i would sting myself with the nettles and within a couple hours the muscles would like release and i just learned that was something that was very helpful for me and helpful in working in the garden helpful to sting my hands afterwards. I had a lot of like joint and muscle things going on when I was younger. And so that was just one of the medicine, medicines that I used. And it really, I think with roses, roses are just, they're so sweet and wonderful. And they have this way about them that I think you, you're you looking at them and they're like, wow, this is the most beautiful plant. And it smells so incredible and it, but it has all these medicinal qualities. But the one that, the one thing about roses that I love so much is it's also like this incredible guardian plant. And so it appears as this like beauty and in that beauty, it also has thorns and it will scratch you <laughs> all the way up if you don't approach it in the right way. And I think it's like one of the guardians of the heart. All of these are heart plants that we're talking about, but roses is really this like cardiotonic. It's a medicine that's been used for the heart for thousands of years. It's also been used in culinary application. This is the other thing, like most of our ancestors far back and some closer in, we're using these plants both in making like a rose syrup, that would have been something that many of our ancestors would have done. And nettle, same thing. It's like, they grow all over the world. And you know, you would have your spring nettle soup and that's how you would wake up your system and how you would make sure you got all those nutrients and vitamin C and all these things. I think I'm very drawn to the plants also of like my ancestral homeland, which I have many of them, but particularly Ireland. And that's where on the Hill of Terra there's like tons of hawthorns growing. And underneath the hawthorns, there's layers of nettles growing. And mm-hmm. so it feels very ancestral for me, like a connection there.
1: I love that. I love that you're connecting to the plants of where your ancestors were. Thank you for sharing your experience with nettles. And I've collected nettles without wearing gloves a lot because you're just out hiking, and if you see them, you're not have gloves, you're not all prepared. And I always just think the stinging is beneficial. Yeah, <laughs> beneficial. And it's interesting because sometimes they'll get you a lot, but if you're, but it seems like sometimes when I'm really mindful, like you're saying, they Approach the plant, I can actually forage them without getting stung a lot. Here in Charleston, we don't have really nettles because the soil is so sandy and dry. And I feel like they really like that moist earth. But in the mountains, there's a lot. In Western North Carolina, where I did most of my botanical training, there was a lot of nettles. I miss them. So I have to figure out a good place to order them from because... I don't know. There's probably, if you could get it from a local farmer or a local forager, they're probably going to be a lot better than just like a mass supplier. Um, Totally. Although Strictly
0: Medicinal Seed Company, I don't know if you know them, Strictly mm, Medicinal. Yeah. They have amazing, I don't know if they have nettles, but I would assume they did. But anyway.
1: Yeah, I should just create
0: them. They'll send starts of certain plants.
1: I should create a nettle bed. A very rich, organic metal bed. Before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you, because I found your Sacred Science OxyMill video, which if you go to YouTube and you Google Tara's name, it will come up. Like one of the first things that come up. And also there's a Hawthorne video there, which I recommend you watch. Can you tell us what an OxyMill is and why should the listener make one? Why should I make one? Because... I, my sisters made them and given them to me and they taste good and they actually last a long time, but I've never made one. So I'm hoping that after today, I'll be inspired to make one. And so I would love to hear what is oxymel, and why should, yeah, why should I make one? <laughs> well, I love aximels.
0: I think they're just, first of all, they're an ancient remedy. So they are, Axiomel is oxy means vinegar it's that's the root vinegar and then mel is like miel which is like honey and so it's vinegar and honey very old fire cider is an oxymel that's basically what fire cider is it's all these plants and herbs and things in vinegar with honey I love to use vinegar so I make lots and lots of vinegar extracts that's one mm. of my major things because lots of people can't have or don't want to have alcohol. That's one reason. So it's a great option if you don't want to have alcohol. And then a honey on top of honey is like pure magic elixir. And if you don't use honey, you can also use some other sweetener if you want, but a traditional Oxymel is honey and vinegar. And it is a prebiotic. If you're using the unpasteurized raw apple cider vinegar, it's prebiotic. It's like laying the groundwork for your digestion to be really good. And it's a sorry, the vinegar extracts things that alcohol misses. So vinegar can extract like minerals and things that alcohol just can't really touch or get as much of. And so I also like it for that reason. I took oxymels like all through my pregnancy. That was my like herbal supplement that I was working with. Nettles, uh, raspberry leaf, oxymel, like all those things. It's just a great way to get in the minerals and vitamins and things from a plant in a gentle way. I think it treats the plant differently. Like sometimes plants, I feel like <laughs> if we pour the... Really, and I might get some flack for this, but if we poured the really strong, like ever clear alcohol on it, I feel like they're going like that, like that. whereas I feel like vinegar <laughs> is so different, it's like a different interaction.
1: And yeah, and then add a little honey, That's great. I love it. And so, when you do your When you take your Oxymil, are you doing a teaspoon? Do you have a particular time during the day that you recommend people take the Oxymil?
0: I, my feeling about all things is take it when you remember, Mm -hmm. (laughs) because it's really (laughs) hard, especially like for myself, like I'm all over the place and I'm running around all day and I have a child and full plus time job and all these things so I just try to put everything by I put things (laughs) by my tea area where I'm gonna make tea in the morning like if you drink coffee or whatever you do like putting it somewhere where you know you're gonna go to and then just take it just do it because it's hard enough to remember to do Mm -hmm. all Mm -hmm. the things and sometimes I think we just need to make things as easy as possible for ourselves. (laughs) Just get the plants in somehow. So yeah, if you're like, oh, it's morning, I'm going to take this Oxymel. Great. That'll start your digestion going really well. And you'll get all those things in there before you eat. That's great. Um, But if you don't remember till midday, like that's great too. Just get it going. That's my feeling about it.
1: I like that. And so do you put your oxymel in warm water or the tea, or do you take it straight?
0: I take it straight, but it I, straight. but that is, you can definitely put it into teas. I also put oxymels as salad dressing.
1: Mm. So I use it
0: with like oil and make salad dressing with it, which is really great. Like rosehip oxymel is excellent in mixed with like olive oil for salad dressing. It's vinegar. So you can use it any way that you would use like a vinegar. Um, And I keep my honey separate from my vinegar extracts. Like most people put vinegar and honey together with the plants. And I wait because I sometimes don't want the honey. Sometimes I just want
1: the vinegar. And so that's the way to do it too. And then two, when you strain the plant material out of a honey, like it takes, I feel like you lose so much of the honey. So I've never done infused honeys because I don't want to waste the honey. so You never never, what? You never never strain it. Never strain the honey. (laughs) You never strain the honey. So if you make an infused honey, you just leave the plant material in there. I'm
0: not, here's the thing. I'm not a clinical herbalist. The way that I look at it is I'm free in that way. I can do whatever I want. I'm not giving medical advice to anyone. So don't take my word for it. You got to follow You've got to follow your own intuition and your own due diligence. You got to do all that. But for me, I don't strain it. I have jars of honey with plants in them that are seven years old.
1: It, They're like little. I love that you are more free and don't strain it out. And I sometimes don't with my tinctures, like I'll leave them in and then the plant material just all settles to the bottom.
0: Yeah. Um
1: and it's fine. It's okay. But anyhow, I'm going to make an oxymil. Is there a plant? Do you have a favorite plant that you're like, yes, to make an oxymil with this plant? Yes. Rose hips, for sure. Rose hips. Does the vinegar extract it really well? Yeah. Does it and preserve the so, vitamin C? It does. With things like that, it's
0: like to a point, right? Mm-hmm. When you dry a plant, you're going to lose vitamin C. You just are. If you're eating it fresh, you're going to get the number one maximum benefit. But rose hips, like for example, eight ounces of orange juice, vitamin C. Okay, great. Eight ounces of rose hips compared to that is something like 750% more vitamin C in the rose hip, eight ounces than in the orange juice. So I just think about it like that. Okay, you're going to maybe lose 50% of your vitamin C, but it's still going to be so much more than you would get from really anything else.
1: Yeah. I love rose hips. I have some in the apothecary and I'm holding on to them. I just need to probably order some more. That's the one thing that I do order. And when I make like a decoction or syrup or something with them, like I've learned that it's better not to expose them to heat that they do extract better. And just the, me, like water room temperature every time I'm done with the rose hip extraction I cannot believe the oil and I start taking the rose hips from the cup and I start putting them on my face and I'm like okay yes, you're like uh, yes I'm like okay I have to figure out I want to start I want to try and make a rose hip infused oil but the rose hips are unbelievable and yeah I appreciate you sharing that I I will have to. I don't want to say sacrifice, but I'll have to no, use no. some I'll stop. Like I'm like a little squirrel I'm like have my little yeah. stash of rose hips. I'll have to totally. be like, okay, I can use them for oxymel. So I will do that. I'm going to do that. So well, thank and
0: you. And you're preserving it longer too. Like the more that, you know, I, I always think about, Oh my gosh, I save, like we make tons of pesto and then I save it until the last possible minute. And With all sorts of things, like our tomato sauce, all this stuff, until I know we're going to (laughs) have, okay, we're for sure going to have tomatoes again. Of course we are, but in my mind, I'm like, we have to save it till the last second. And it's, I think, eat the pesto, eat the Mm -hmm. rose hips, do it, because like then it opens the door for lots more things to come in.
1: Definitely. When I was working with them, I thought to myself, like, I need to dive even deeper with rose hips because there's definitely, they do love to be processed a certain way. And you can get more benefits from doing it a certain way and playing around with it and learning and checking the oil because I feel like that oil is probably so good for your heart. heart. Yes. So, anyway,
0: talking about the skin, it's like they're so good for the skin. It's collagen production, like all that stuff.
1: It's amazing. After I was done extracting it, I just had to eat them. (laughs) Like so I ate them because they were all hydrated and everything. So I put them in my mouth and that was a thing. There was still so much medicine left in them. Yeah. So that was interesting. Sometimes I'll use that as a practice. I will test the material after the extraction to see how much medicine is still in there or not. But yeah. Yeah. Rose hips. So for those of you listening, I highly recommend getting some rose hips and doing a rose hip oxymil. So thank you so much for your time. This was such an enjoyable podcast interview for me. And thank you again for the book. And for you listening, check out Foraged and Grown. And Tara, where do you recommend they go to get this book? Because I know it doesn't come out till March. I'm releasing this podcast in February. So where is the best place for them to go to purchase the book?
0: It can be pre-ordered anywhere the books are sold. So it's on Amazon. It's at your local bookstore. You can say, hey, I want to get this book and they can order it for you if you want to support the local bookstore too. And Barnes & Noble, Thrift Books, Bookshop, lots of places. So really anywhere that you can think of. Apple, Apple, books. But yeah, every place that sells
1: books. So your favorite book buying place is where you should go to get Kara's book foraged and grown. And can you tell the listeners, what else do you offer? What else do you have? What are your offerings?
0: Yeah, I have tons of classes. I'm actually redoing the website should be up, hopefully by the time this comes out. But yeah, I have tons of classes. I will have a blog going soon. I have a Patreon. I have that. Those are the main things. (laughs) And then Instagram at The Medicine Circle. And my website is TheMedicineCircle.com. So I love sharing with people that way. Yeah, those are the main things. And anyone that pre-orders, I'm also sending like a bonus ebook with 15 extra recipes that they can start doing now. Oh, um, wow. Anyone that pre-orders can just email me personally at Tara at themedicinecircle.com and I'll just send them the ebook with, I if they, like just a screenshot of a receipt or something.
1: Very cool. So definitely get the books. You can get those free recipes if you pre-order it before March. What is the date? March 5th. March 5th. 2024 and if you listen to this after that day i highly recommend still getting the book and i will put links in the show notes to tara's website and tara's offerings so thank you so much for being on the wild herb podcast it was such a pleasure i'm definitely going to make the rosehip oxymil and you've inspired me and I'm gonna, I I want to try some of these recipes too. So thank you very much.
0: I hope that someday we can have a garden party together.
1: <laughs> so yes, fun. definitely. Definitely. I need to come to Boulder and then hopefully you can come to Charleston. Yes, I would love it. That would yes. be awesome. Thank you
0: so much for having me. I love all that you do too, April. It's so fun. Aww,
1: thank love you. It. Thank you. Thank you, Tara. I know you love that podcast with Tara. Head to the show notes. Check out her book. I highly recommend it. If you like this episode, please share with a friend. Make an oxymil with dandelion flowers this spring. And give us a good comment. Show us some love so we know you're listening. Many blessings. And stay wild.